All right, episode five, Running With The Money, college football sports gambling podcast. Mitch Michaels here, a pair of co-hosts on this show, as always, calling in the lean mean betting machine, Matt Gothard. Matt, how you doing, sir? I'm doing great, man. Thanks again for having me. And the pimp from Pennsylvania, Kent Brown. What's going on? I'm liking the nickname. So far, so good. Oh, it's going I pretty know, well. I, cool. I think... I think last Saturday was definitely not the highlight of my college football betting season, that's for sure. I'm going to lead off first, if, if I may, because my weekend was pretty absurd, and, and I want to recap it from Friday night. Friday night, local team, USC's playing Washington State. Against all your great advice, I took the Trojans and three and a half, and they, it was a parlay actually, three and a half and the over, the over just soared by. And USC won by three on that blocked field goal that they had at the end. So, okay, lose by a half point Friday, no big deal. Our moneymaker, which we pushed, which we'll get into in a second, 14 points. I had 14 and a half, so that was fun. So the day started off just ridiculous. But the moral of the story is with gambling, you just got to keep going because you just got to keep throwing money at it. That's what I've learned is if you just keep throwing money at it, it solves pretty much all of your problems. Stanford covers against Oregon in the most absurd outcome of the year. By the way, that's also how like 60% of divorces happen, I believe, as well. <laughs> Throw money at the problem, see what happens. Eh, it doesn't usually work that well. Hey, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not sold that that's a way to solve the problem, actually, but we'll see. <laughs> well, I will say this. You can't win any future bets if you don't throw money at those future bets. So in this regard, Mitch is on to something. Can we talk about that Oregon and... Stanford game. I, I do want to also say I'd that rather not. It was an up and down week for a lot of us, but Oregon Stanford, this game shouldn't have even gotten to the point where they fumbled in the last minute. Matt, I'll, I'll start with this. It was 24 to 7. Oregon's driving again. They were the better team for most of this game. Too many fumbles, too many turnovers. A snap over the quarterback's head results in a defensive touchdown. You could pick about 10 or 11 different places in the game and say if Oregon just does this differently. They win. And then you got to get into the factor of covering a three-and-a-half-point spread in overtime, which is absurd as it is. It was a remarkable betting outcome. Remarkable is a fun word. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> it was definitely interesting to watch. Uh, as somebody that had money on Oregon, I was thinking – I had three games on TV uh, going on. I had the Iowa game. I had my little Oregon game. And then I had my Michigan State game. And at one point, all three looked great. I felt good about all three. And, uh, you know, we can get into the other ones later. But uh, my brother-in-law was asking me, you know, who should I bet on? Who should I bet on? And I told him, you know, Oregon. And he went to bed when they were up. And then oh, I just man. woke up to, like, five texts from him. Are you kidding me? What the hell happened? <laughs> I, I can't even put it in words, man. It was over. That was the game. He, he had the first down. All he had to do was just go down. And uh, yeah, yeah. I, don't know. I mean, it's so painful. I'm glad, I'm glad you won. It was crazy. Thank you. I appreciate that. Kent, I do want to bring up this scenario. When you have a line in that three to, I'll say, six range for a favorite in overtime to cover, you need them to lose the coin toss. That's kind of the scenario I was thinking is that they needed to, exactly how it played out, get the ball first, score, and then make Oregon have to score to get there. Because if, if Oregon gets the ball, and they, even if they throw a turnover, you can just lay up for a field goal. Exactly, and then if uh, you end up winning and they make a field goal, you only win by three no and you lose point. it. You need multiple overtimes or the scenario that you laid out. And this was a fascinating game because Oregon was the better team. You know how many seconds Oregon trailed in this entire game? Zero. 
Now, in overtimes, oh, it's untimed, yeah, so you don't exactly. get seconds there. But when your logo is equal to the number of seconds that you didn't trail in this game and your logo is a zero or an O, you should win the game. Stanford somehow pulled this off, and I know for you, Gothard, you had that parlay going. This was going to be, I think, what, the fourth or third game of your entire day's worth. And then at the same point, Iowa was making mistake after mistake, lost one for you and I. It was a frustrating night, to say the least, and definitely just one that, if you're an Oregon fan, whether you bet this game or not, you're heartbroken on how that game ended up. And I keep looking at it as, I'm a Notre Dame fan, they play Stanford, if they lose that type of game to Stanford, that's tough to get over for years, let alone that night. So it was. Oregon did everything they could to lose that game, and they still needed to fumble crossing the first down marker just to even give Stanford a chance. It was wild. You know what else I learned, too, was that it's much more, it, it's much more easy on the soul. And I guess I kind of knew this, but it was just reinforced. If you just get destroyed in a bet. If you just have no chance, yes. if you're out of it for a while... But, you know, the Georgia bet where you're teetering and you lose by half point, UFC Washington State was even worse. It was 30-14 to 14 at one point in that game. You think, okay, USC's done. All right, I'll just enjoy Friday night in Los Angeles. And then they come all the way back but can't get that final point, Matt. I'm just I'm, – I'm, I hate when they do that because they bring you back in just so they can crush you again. But it, I think this is going up on, on top, top three most painful losses for me. I think this is is this is oh, wow. up there on the top three. I don't know, I don't know if it takes top one. I still, I mean, at such a young betting age, I lost my first. It was like my first five hundred dollar bet ever, and I put it on the uh, the Seahawks to beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. And so, like that still that still sits there. I think as number one. Um, but man, that was that was so close as being one of the worst. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine that uh, you say young betting man. You're not that old. I mean, what are we? <laughs> what's the age Dude, process like? Dude, I feel like, like? I'm 60. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's good. <laughs> that's true. When you bet a game like Oregon Stanford and then you lose that bet, it does age you at least a couple years, yeah. especially in at betting. Least 10. You know how there's dog years? There, there are betting yeah. years. When you see yeah. guys at a sports book, they're like 50, but they might as well be 70. That's probably oh, going to be all of us. <laughs> probably, yeah. It's We're going to be like going I, on 55. Oh, we're gonna, but gonna but just to clarify, I, I, hey, at least our I did just mean push. like early. Yeah. Oh yeah. And we did count. We did push. It was it was interesting. I Georgia just toyed again. That was that's that's the the big worry when you're a heavy favorite and you know you can do just enough to win is that you gotta you gotta believe that the team is not only gonna just do enough to skate by, they're gonna crush. And Georgia looked like they were gonna do it. Defense kind of sagged off in the second half and didn't finish enough drives was ultimately our, our downfall to a tie. Not an outright loss, though. Well, think about it this way. They won by 14, and they didn't score an offensive touchdown until the third quarter. So if they just did what they normally would do and score at least two touchdowns in the first half offensively, they probably win by 25 or 30 points. But they also dropped the ball off at the one twice, and fortunately for Georgia, one was recovered and one was not being able to prove that they did it. Georgia Bulldogs did everything they could not to cover. Unfortunately for us, we're still 2-1-1 on our moneymaker, so we're over 500. This week, though, I'm sensing maybe well, an underdog pick or something. Yeah. We'll have to see what our moneymaker is. I'm wide open this week. Hey, ties are well, in, in style. They're in vogue right now. It's, what, it's what's hip in football. And other than the name, <laughs> I think if we just named, the, named our pick a little differently. I love the name, by the way. Credit to you, Matt, for coming up with that. But 
the fact that it has money maker in it, it we didn't lose money for the people no we didn't, right? I mean, and if you were like me and forgot what the money maker was and accidentally that's put money on Clemson, you <laughs> that's won. That's a true you story. <laughs> so technically, that's a win. Nine in the morning. What was our money maker? It was Georgia. Oh, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> well, I put it in the night before, thinking, you know, I got. I always sleep in. Got to get this Clemson minus sixteen in now, and uh, but they covered. They they look good too. I guess I didn't really watch much of that. That's great for the brand, though. But no, it's uh, it's uh, it was a good performance. We'll get to Clemson in a second. I do want to do want to continue finishing up the recap of last week with some positive notes. Matt, I told you to have confidence in Michigan State, and they they came through for for you and definitely for me too. So that was I good know, to dude. See. I, I am so proud of you, and I'm so glad that you <laughs> you brought that positivity into my life because I thought we were going downhill, and uh, but they look good. They look good. A big defensive turnover for touchdown early. And, uh, you know, I think we can compete with Michigan and Ohio State now, at least Michigan. Um, we'll see what Ohio State really looks like this weekend. Any other thoughts, guys, on the last game or the last weekend? Uh, I, again, I'm an idiot. Didn't follow through on my Texas Tech points intrigue, but that tends to happen. Kent calling Buffalo in, <laughs> in the MAC because Rutgers is just they terrible. They dominated. Dude, Buffalo is a team that you got to really look at them going forward. They put up a ton of points. They dominated Rutgers. Rutgers is such a train wreck. And Buffalo went on the road, won by, I believe, 30 or 32 or whatever it was. And, yeah, that was another one that if you took that, we gave some good advice. We gave some picks out. Some didn't work. A lot did. But it was kind of hit and miss throughout the day. But that was one. I'll, I'll give some credit to myself there that I did say, I know Rutgers is Big Ten, but they stink. Believe in the Buffalo Bulls. Yeah, I we're going to keep a big eye on them because when we get these matching games and there's not a lot to choose during the week, Buffalo is going to have a, a nice star on our calendar there. All right, guys, before we get into another week of college football, week five on the official slate, I want to bring up one topic in particular here on Running With The Money. There's going to be a quarterback transfer. Kelly Bryant's leaving Clemson. It's not the one that we probably thought we'd be hearing about this time. Jalen Hurts not officially going. This new rule, which I want to get your opinion on as well, you can play four games and still maintain that year of eligibility. Used to be one barring an injury or some extraordinary circumstance. But Bryant is gone, is what he says. It's not official officially yet, but all signs point to him being out the door. Lawrence is the quarterback there. Kent, point blank, how is this going to affect Clemson going forward, betting on or against them? As they open up at 25-point favorites, against Syracuse. Where is this going to help them? Where it affects them is if Trevor Lawrence goes down, now you have Hunter Johnson who transferred out before the season. You have Kelly Bryant who is transferring out now. Those were a bunch of quarterbacks you could have faith in that would come in and perform well. Now it's just Trevor Lawrence. So behind him, there's some real question marks. If he's out there and he's healthy, it's an upgrade because he's a better quarterback than Kelly Bryant. He can make throws that very few quarterbacks in the country can make. And if they ultimately want to beat Alabama or Georgia or Ohio State or whoever's in the playoff, they need a quarterback like him. Remember, the reason they competed with Alabama two straight years was because not only the rest of their team, but because they had an A-plus quarterback mm-hmm. in Deshaun Watson. You saw last year a very similar Clemson team with about a C or C-plus quarterback in Kelly Bryant. Trevor Lawrence has the skill and the talent to compete against anybody. I don't think it factors in much now, but if he gets hurt, then it's a big detriment. I'd only say this to add to that, and I agree with most of what you said. 
Yeah, for sure. He's the upgrade. He's the bigger potential to beat a team like Alabama. I think Dabo knows he needed this guy to make plays for him to win the national title or be in that mix. My biggest issue is games like this weekend where they're three-score favorites where they have to cover a lot of points. I don't know if – I'll put it this way. I'm not sure if Lawrence is ready to go four quarters and put together the kind of game where he just blows away the competition. He might be, but we haven't seen it yet, and he doesn't have the luxury of going off to the sideline. And remember, Syracuse beat them last year. Syracuse Mm -hmm. was a team that the only loss Clemson had on their regular season resume was against the Orange. It was at the Carrier Dome, but there's a lot of Clemson players that want – to beat Syracuse, and this is a game that's been highlighted on their schedule all year. I also feel like with this whole transfer rule, and I discussed this with uh, Stuart Mandel of The Athletic on my other college football podcast, The CFB Experience, we talked about this was probably an unforeseen thing that a lot of coaches didn't see coming because this rule was supposed to help the staffs play your younger guys, get them acclimated, and either kind of get their beaks wet for four games and then they're done, or you save guys for a playoff run or a championship run mm-hmm. later. Instead, what you're seeing now, Jalen McCleskey at Oklahoma State, you're seeing Kelly Bryant. These are starters that are saying, I don't like my current situation. I played my four games. I'm out. I can graduate, go somewhere else. That's probably something a lot of coaches and a lot of players on the teams are not happy about because when you are battling with Kelly Bryant all summer, you're working out with him, you're in the heat of the – two a days in the summer, and then he just abandons your team, that can't sit well with a lot mm-hmm. of his teammates. So in and of itself, that's the one negative of this whole rule. Yeah. Anything else you want to add to this, Matt? I know as somebody that follows uh, what Clemson's done the last couple of years, you think Lawrence being the only guy is going to affect them? You know, I think, uh, to be honest about Clemson, I, I think that they've looked good early, but I'm going to probably stay away from them for the next couple of weeks just to see what happens. But what I'm looking at next week, uh, them playing Syracuse, I mean, we're talking about a team that has yet to do worse than beat a team by two touchdowns this season. So, I mean, that's it's not your normal Syracuse team that they're playing. And you also look at the ACC standings right now. If Syracuse somehow wins this game, I don't know who else is really standing in their way to win the Atlantic. So, I, I, you know, to take 25 points and give them to a team with that much motivation, I, I don't think I would do that. I think I would jump on Syracuse. Yeah, I'm with you. I think I'm with you. I think that if you're going to do this, the 25 or 25 and a half, that makes sense because you're getting a bunch of points. You're going to score enough. So Syracuse isn't going to get shut out. So they're probably minimum scoring 14 points. So if you get 25 more, you're already up to 40 Clemson then has to score in the 40s just to cover, and that's assuming Syracuse doesn't play better than kind of a minimal offensive performance. So, yes, in this situation, also with Trevor Lawrence, and knowing now you don't have a reliable backup, if Clemson is up 37 to 20 with six minutes left, they might just put in the backup and avoid trying to get him hurt, and then therefore you'd feel pretty safe about your bet. Or maybe they're up right around this number, you pull them out, they're up 27. Syracuse adds a late touchdown, loses by 20. That could very well happen. Ultimately for Clemson, you want to get this win, but you cannot afford Trevor Lawrence to go down. I'm in agreement. It's a great way to segue into our picks this week and what we think. I, I'm i probably going to stay away from this game, full disclosure, but I absolutely would go Syracuse if I had to pick. 25 is a lot of points. I'm not drinking the orange Kool-Aid fully. I think it's a nice story. I don't think they're going to win this game. But 25 points to uh, to a solid team at the very least, to a team that's going to break that bowl drop most likely. 
it's a lot. And it's a lot for a young quarterback in his first full game that he's going to play, even as talented as Trevor Lawrence. I think it's going to be about a two-score game. I think Clemson wins by about 14, 17 points. And I think the fact that the line's gone up from 21 to about 25 is a little little shocking. But people are riding Clemson this week. By the way, I'm already starting to formulate a potential Uh moneymaker bet. And it does involve this. But let's just say maybe a little tease thrown into the mix with this I, and another one later. Oh, because, no. I don't know if we're ready for that. Yeah, we haven't the graphic the money isn't ready, Ken. Yeah, let's, <laughs> and, think about the, yeah. let's think about Gothard's poor fingers. Um, <laughs> all right. <laughs> another game I want to talk to this week, also an ACC game. The only other team that we haven't mentioned so far that's undefeated in the ACC, Duke, taking on Virginia Tech as five-point favorites. Virginia Tech lost to Old Dominion last week in a game that was – Really shocking, really sad. I'll give props to the one Virginia Tech fan I saw who was wearing his polo out to the bar after the game, owning the loss. Got to give him credit that much. But that, that game was just not pretty for the defensive side of the ball at all. That said, Kent, Duke five-point favorites. Are you buying what Duke is selling in this game? Do you think they can not only win, go to 5-0, and beat Virginia Tech, which they don't usually do, but cover the spread? I think so. I like this Duke team. I do think that they are put together well. And, Daniel Jones went down a couple weeks ago. I mistakenly took Gothard away from a bet where he wanted to take Duke over Baylor. And I said, the quarterback's hurt. They lost one of their best linebackers. Maybe avoid it. Duke has looked really good, even with the backup. Virginia Tech not only lost Josh Jackson, their starting quarterback, with an ankle injury. They also kicked off their best defensive end on Sunday, who was leading the team in sacks and tackles for loss. So this Virginia Tech team is going through a lot of stuff right now. Duke is a confident team. It's at home. I think they're favored for a reason. And this looks like one where they're almost daring you to bet Virginia Tech in Vegas. And they almost want you to take mm-hmm. the name. And I have a feeling Duke's going to end up being up 24-13 to 13 late in this game. And everyone's going to go, damn, maybe they are for real. So I would take the Blue Devils. Well, they almost got me because I was close. But that Jackson injury does it for me. If he was playing this game, this fits the formula that I like. I'm still not fully sold on Duke. I think Virginia Tech is likely to bounce back, but not having your quarterback and the guy they're going to, Willis, is the Kansas transfer. I don't think he won a game when he was right. in Kansas and, and got benched, and uh, yeah, which I think might be a little hard to do there. But I, I think Virginia Tech, I just don't, I don't have a good feeling about this game. You go into a game against a hot team, regardless of who they played and what they've accomplished, without your starting quarterback on the road. I think Duke wins this one they cover. I'd say about a 10-point victory or so seems right. Yeah, I agree. What about you, Gothard? Who do you like in this one? I think I take Duke, too. I mean, I'm just kind of looking ahead in their schedule, and it's not like they have a big, like a huge game coming up, so they're probably really focused on this game. It's at home. You're right. They did. Virginia Tech just lost their quarterback, so, I mean, I'm not a Duke expert, but I'd probably take Duke. But full disclosure, not touching this one. Okay, okay. Well, we have something else that's, Interesting in a game line, a favorite switch, South Carolina, Kentucky. South Carolina opened up as the favorite by one point on the road. It's now Kentucky by about a point and a half, depending on what you're looking at. Kentucky, put it on Mississippi State. Ken, are you thinking that this is a legit team? Now, South Carolina, granted, hasn't proven a whole lot this year, but Kentucky being a favorite in a matchup like South Carolina is groundbreaking for the last couple of years. Do you think they keep their momentum going? They have a really good running game. Benny Snell is one of the best running backs in the country. I was shocked. Not only did they beat Mississippi State last week, but the way they did it, where they just won the line of scrimmage, they dominated 
With that said, I've already submitted a two-team money line parlay with two underdogs this week. Cal, I got them at plus three against Oregon, and then South Carolina plus one and a half against Kentucky. If you put 100 down, you win $380. I really like both those teams to win, so I'm not quite buying into Kentucky. If they win this week and they look impressive again and win that line of scrimmage, then they probably are for real, and I would consider them the second-best team in the East besides Georgia. But I almost feel like Kentucky's one of those programs, and Gothard would understand this being a Big Ten guy that's kind of like Indiana, where they might win one big game, but then they're going to just the bed the next week. I kind of think that's going to happen with Kentucky. They had a great performance against Florida. They had a great performance against Mississippi State. I don't think they have a good enough performance, so I'll take the game Gamecocks here. I think they went outright. Dude, you're reading my mind. That's literally what I was thinking, the same thing. I mean, I've, I've seen more consistency out of South Carolina, so until Kentucky really proves anything, like they're they're actually here to stay, I'm, I'd probably be fading them. I think I like Kentucky, but this is a, this is a weird one for me. South Carolina did get destroyed. A, a spread that Georgia did cover this year with South Carolina, but this is a weird one for me. But I do <laughs> – the SEC is fascinating this year. With what's happened, there's only been a couple consistencies. Bama and Georgia at the top, and Tennessee just way, way down at the bottom. Because that Florida game, we didn't talk about that, but my God, that was just tough to watch for anybody that was a Tennessee fan. Yeah, I didn't watch any of it because I don't like watching bad football, especially when it's that <laughs> oh, much of a no. blowout. And Florida, it was a 33-3 to game at some point fairly early, and I thought... Florida's not this good. So, yeah, this was not one. I always have, like, four screens going, sometimes even, like, a laptop up. And this game couldn't cut five screens on my Saturday evening. There were way better games going on. So, good on Florida to win. Dan Mullen against his former team yeah. this week in Starkville. What, what do we think there? I'll go Mississippi State. I don't know if they cover. They were so disappointing last week that I'm almost ready to say, let, let me see them have a bounce-back performance. But – I, I doubt Florida's going to beat them, especially if Mississippi State's anywhere close to the team I thought they could be. This is a game they have to win. I like the points, though. Seven and a half is what I'm seeing right now, and I think it's going to be a, another sloppy football game. We were very well, disappointing last week. Kent, Kent, you're totally underestimating the power of the cowbell, Okay. That last game was played on the road, and this next I game know. is played at home. And, and we both know that, <laughs> that Mississippi State That brutal Kentucky home, environment. Yeah. Yeah, the brutal Kentucky environment. But, like, when Mississippi State is playing at home, they're a completely different team. Yeah. With that, I, I think they have one of the best home field advantages, actually, in college football. I just yeah. think we do this every year where a team wins a couple games early, and we're like, wow, this is a new, this is a new Mississippi State team. And the season well, is, I mean, it goes by one. in the blink of an eye. <laughs> Yeah, what Gotham's no, no, saying no, is I at still, home they show up. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think it's like the same like when they had Dak Prescott. But I'm just saying when you watch the game, it's a totally different uh, atmosphere. Yeah, yeah. I would say the cowbells here. If you're going to have me choose one way or another, I would give the points and feel like they'll find a way to cover. That's fair. That's fair. I think that's going to be an exciting one but as well. Even if it's not note, fair, if they cover, I don't care. On a side note for our friend uh, Sully, I'm sorry about your volunteers, but good news for them is they have a pretty easy schedule coming up, you know? <laughs> Georgia, yeah, Georgia, Auburn, Alabama. Yeah. Three weeks, three straight games against them. Oh, F man. Football Power Index has a .06%. Just one more thing before we – of winning all three games, I should say. One more thing. I don't want to keep ripping on Sully, but we're going to do it with one more joke. 
the beginning of the season, Kent, we're watching games at our buddy John Rydell's house. Saw he's there getting it amped up. I uh, I hadn't really heard or paid much attention to that new J-Rock song, Win, and I asked Kent, what is this Tennessee song? Because they were listening to it to uh, get going before the West Virginia game. And Kent just looks at me in deadpans. Well, obviously not, because the <laughs> song is just called Win. <laughs> so I saw he didn't hear that. Obviously, it would have been a different reaction if he did, but Kent's proven right so far. Yeah, it's been a struggle. Uh, I love Sully. We uh, all love Sully, but uh, there are some real growing pains in Knoxville right now. I do. We'll tie this together with this. Which team, I'll ask you the question, between Auburn, Georgia, and Bama with the spreads they have to cover? If you had to pick one, who's most likely to cover the spreads they face? Georgia. Oh, you're saying Bama. All right. Matt says Bama at 48 point, 48 and a half points against Louisiana. I take it Lafayette. at 49. <laughs> wow. I'm, I'm, I'm on the record as vetoing this for the moneymaker pick, 49. No, yeah, that's fine. Anybody. But Georgia 31 and a half, Auburn 27, Southern Miss. I don't know much about Southern Miss. They've been frisky in the past, and if Stidham throws a few picks, it could be closer than that. I would think out of three of them, I'd go Georgia most likely, I guess. But Bama would be second. Auburn would be the third. They're definitely the bronze medalist of these three in terms of I don't necessarily know week to week what you get from Auburn. Last week they were outgained against Arkansas. They won the game, but they, it wasn't a highlight performance. They just happened to just do enough to not let Arkansas score, that's all. But the offense wasn't very good. No, it wasn't. I mean, you got it. Yeah. Well, can I just put it in perspective? Alabama covered this spread on the road against Ole Miss. Yes. <laughs> that's so a good perspective. So I think that they're going to be able to do it at home against Louisiana. That's that's the only reason I'm coming out so strong about it, but yeah, wow. And the over under on this game is about sixty five and a half points, so that is a very uh, respectful line to the Crimson Tide. I got an interesting game though that appeals to me at least. I want your takes on this one: a rematch of a little bit of a rivalry, or at least a, re- a revenge potential game here in the Big Twelve. TCU fresh off a brutally disappointing performance against Texas last week, hosts Iowa State. Ten and a half point favorites. A lot of points to be giving up for a team that didn't look that well last week in conference play. Kent, do they cover against Campbell's squad here? That was one of my big bets last week that I actually won was Texas beating TCU. I liked their chances in that one. No, I would take the points here. I think Iowa State has shown they're a disciplined team. They're competent. They're going to be able to move the football enough to stay in this game. And if TCU wins... It's a little bit hard for me to believe they're going to win by 14 or 13 points. So if you're getting that hook, which right now it's built in, take the 10 and a half. And I would feel pretty confident, Gothard, that Matt Campbell and this Iowa State team finds a way to keep this close. Yeah, I'm just the only thing that keeps me away from Iowa State is that their quarterback's still out. I mean, they had a good week last week against uh, Akron, but... I just, uh, it's hard for me to get behind them until uh, Kemp gets back. So I'd probably take TCU. I think this is their bounce back week. It's at home. Uh, they've had two really rough weeks in a row. I think Iowa State's kind of an easy punching bag. I like Iowa State here. I, I really do. I think they're going to, I don't, I'm going to stop just short at winning this game, but I, I like 10 double digit points. And I think that should be a good one. Speaking of another game that I, that I like, and I'm sure one of you two probably both would disagree with me. Purdue, three-point favorites on the road. Gothard, your team that came through to start the day off. Love the Boilermakers gonna, this week against Frost. Sorry, squad all of in sudden, Nebraska. All of a sudden, you love the Boilermakers. <laughs> all of a sudden. I don't know what it is no, about I, them. 
I like them too, man. I think that Nebraska's just going downhill, and I think that Purdue, you know, they seemed uh, they seemed amped. So I'm, I'll, I'll ride that train with you, if uh, no pun intended. Yeah, this is an avoid game for me in that I think if there was stock in Nebraska's program, I would buy right now, and that Scott Frost, I think two years from now, will have them turned around. But right now, it's just a tough situation. He's going through a lot. It looks like a lot of the team's not buying into him. You'll probably see in the offseason 10, 15 players just gone from this program. Based on the way both teams have played this year, this is a game Nebraska should lose, and they probably lose by 7-plus. But I also feel like maybe they show up and finally get the win. I'll take Purdue, and I agree that they're more than likely going to do it. But I also don't think Nebraska is going to be a one or zero win type of team. So this might be just when they put it all together and show up. But they were so bad last week. They were lifeless against Michigan. And Purdue looked pretty good. David Blau's a good yeah. quarterback. That wide receiver Moore, who's a freshman, continues to, right. to light it up. It's going to be, I think it'll be a close game. But overall, yeah, based on what I've seen right now, it's hard for me to predict Nebraska beats Purdue, especially when they're a fairly competent team. They're one and three, but they're better than their record. Yeah, I mean, that, that, they look so bad. I think everybody at Michigan wanted to extend Harbaugh's lifetime contract. So it's just, wow. Um, <laughs> I'll say this right now. <laughs> Scott Frost will win a Big Ten championship before Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, I mean, they've been, they've been to the same number of Big Ten title games, so he's right on par there. Uh, I know we all love bashing on Jim Harbaugh, but moving on. Kent, you said what exactly was your maybe the most fun game? Of the 3.30 Eastern Eastern time slate before we started? Oh, it's fun for all the wrong reasons. Florida State at Louisville. <laughs> this game's just destined to be a fun three and a half hours. Louisville, they're one of the worst offensive teams in college football this year. And that's coming off two straight years with Lamar Jackson when they were lighting it up. And then you have Florida State, a team that can't seemingly find the end zone if you handed them the ball at the one. So this should be all types of fun. This is a game that I think you have to take the points. You know you're bad when Florida State has been so bad this year and they're a six-point favorite against you in your home stadium. So Louisville, it's been a disaster. Florida State, it's been a disaster. There's not a ton of great 330 Eastern games, so this will definitely be one I have my eye on. And I would take the points just because I haven't seen enough out of either team to feel good about them. But in reality, this shouldn't be one of the games you bet big on. But if you do, I don't know why you would take the favorite. Right, if you're betting on this, I mean... Realistically, it's probably a smarter investment to just pick the money in a paper bag and just throw it out from your balcony and just hope you can find it later. <laughs> but I, I like the under then. I think I don't think either of these offenses are confident. <laughs> That's a good point, too. The only thing I think about when I look at this game and the line is I did not bet enough money on Alabama when they played Louisville in week one. Right. But, you know, outside of that, I think you're right. Like, I would, I'd probably take the points here. But, man, I just don't want to put money on it and force myself to watch this. Yeah, or Syracuse against FSU. We all said we feel pretty good about the Cuse in that one. And then they barely even – they had to go with a backup quarterback early, and they still beat Florida State. I think it was 27-7 to 7 or whatever it was. So these teams both, if you can retroactively bet some of these games, these are two teams you'd love to be able to start the season over with. That'd be fun, And just it? put money down against them. That, that would be fun. Be like, just retroactively really betting. Just one. Just one. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's like Back to the Future with Biff's Sportsbook. I mean, might, might as well. Gray Sports Almanac, yeah. <laughs> it might as well. The most consistent thing I was telling Kent this, Gother, but the most consistent thing in my uh, college football season so far has been Will the Thrill Greer at West Virginia. 
And I like him again this week against Texas Tech, coming off that big win against Oklahoma State. I do know it's a trappy potential game, but I like West Virginia to cover a three-point spread on the road. Three-and-a-half-point spread is what I'm seeing it at now. Against Tech, it's an early start. I just think Greer's going to have a monster game, and West Virginia's defense can do a little bit more than Tech's, which I know isn't saying much. I don't know, man. I, I, I know what you're saying. But mm-hmm. I just almost feel like there's more value in the home team money line here. You know, uh, Texas okay. Tech always seems to get up for these games. Um, it's not like they're at a lack for offense right now. Um, I could definitely, I, I think that I would go with Texas Tech just with the money line. But the only reason is because I don't really follow either one of these teams that closely. So I would, de- I think I take the the home underdog. Kent, if uh, I mean, I, I that's usually my strategy. I know I'm going against what I believe in, but I understand it. I'm not saying that Tua won't be in that position given the schedule, but do you think right now Will Greer would be the Heisman if voting was today? Because he'd be unbiasedly be my pick. I know it's hard to say like with all the games left on the schedule, but he's looked as good as advertised. Haskins would be there. I think McSorley would be there. And we'll talk a little bit later about him. But right now, value-wise, there might not be a better value pick than Trace McSorley at Penn State. He would be right at the top of the list. I'm kind of with Gother on this in that this is the type of game in the past that Dana Holgerson and West Virginia would go in, everybody would be talking about the great offense, and then they give up 47 or 50 and lose 50 to 37. If Texas Tech wins this game, it would not surprise me at all, or it wouldn't surprise me if West Virginia wins by like 14. I don't think it's close, <laughs> meaning if West Virginia wins this by three or four, I'd be surprised. So I'm kind of with Gothard here that if you were to make a bet, maybe take Texas Tech on the money line and just, it's an early game. It's a game that you go to Lubbock, which is like a sleepy city. You're at that AT&T Jones Stadium. (laughs) It's a a place, yeah, the sleepy city known as Lubbock. (laughs) The highlight of that town is Buddy Holly is from there, which, you know, nobody really cares if they're not 60 or 70 years old at this point. Worked out well. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Went down in a blaze of glory. But uh, Texas Tech just... I don't know. I don't feel great about them, but I I also don't feel great about West Virginia. I think they might be one of the more overrated teams in the country. Mm. So this will be an avoid game, but if I would have to take it, I'd probably lean towards taking the Red Raiders. Okay. Side note, I fully expect Oklahoma State to bounce back and destroy Kansas at Kansas this week. Just wanted to point that out. Another possible teaser. That's all I'm saying. I'm I'm trying to slowly put together these teasers here, and I think think we might be able to do a three-team teaser as a moneymaker pick. We're adding layers to this, both mentally and graphically. It's a bet. That's true. Graphically, it's a little more challenging. But then it's also, let's be real, it's more fun to have have three teams to cheer for than it is to have one. And we're recording this on a Wednesday night, so we have more time. Gothard has more time to build this graphic. You right. wish. Okay. <laughs> few more, few more things before we get to the premier games. You mentioned Kent that Oregon Cal game. You're you're high on it. You think that that's a big Cal win in your opinion. You think this team is going to consistently yeah. go ahead and just throttle Oregon? I don't know about throttle them. I think they'll upset them and beat them. I just feel like. What I saw from Oregon last week was a team that had everything thrown into that one game. They deserved that game and then found a way to have it stripped away, literally stripped right there when first down ends the game. And for Cal, they play solid defense all of a sudden. Justin Wilcox has done well there since he's come in a couple years ago. And I just look at this Oregon team as they probably peaked last week around the third quarter. And now you're going to see Cal with low expectations. This is a game Oregon's expected to win. I expect the Berkeley Bears to pull the upset. 
win at home, and maybe solidify their position as a solid mid-tier Pac-12 team. And again, they are ranked. This is one of the five ranked versus ranked matchups. I'm on the other side of the fence here. I just think Oregon's going to bounce back. But I will say this. If you and Matt, this is what we were talking about, the over-under is just sitting there at 58.5 points. This is almost parlay. If you think Cal's going to win, I'd go Cal in the under. If you think Oregon's going to win, I'd love them to just blow right through that and, and take the over. But for the record, I'm on Oregon, but it's a little close to call. It's so hard because I'm really mad at Oregon right now. Right. But the truth is, is that... Can't let that cloud your I, judgment. <laughs> I know, and it's really hard not to do that. But, I mean, you look at both sides. You look at... Uh, Cal's look good at home this year. And uh, I've consistently kind of counted on them at home. But I liked what I saw by Herbert last week, so I don't know. But I think if I had to put my money on it, I probably would take... I'd probably take Oregon. Just because I do think they're going to... I think they still have chances... Uh, in the postseason here, and I think that um, I think that they can kind of rally. So I'd probably go Oregon. And remember, go Cal Oregon. went into BYU and won that game. This is a BYU team that beat Wisconsin. Cal has been tested so far this year. I know North Carolina and whoever their third opponent was, those weren't high-caliber wins. But winning at BYU, I think, is a pretty solid under-the-radar win. I'm not guaranteeing this by any means, but I do feel pretty good that Berkeley finds a way to get this win and knocks off the Ducks. Speaking I'll probably BYU, end up either. But, yeah. Oh, I was, I was just going to say, you know, when it comes down to it, I'll either end up taking Oregon with the points or Cal money line. That's it's going to be <laughs> one of those said, two. Well, I already said, if you want to do it, jump in with my bet. It's Oregon or it's Cal and South Carolina combined money line parlay. $100 down. You win 380 I know you already like the Gamecocks. Join me with uh, the Berkeley Bears and just go all in. This is the I'll worst. Uh, this is the worst betting anonymous meeting for Gother that he's ever had. So I don't. Know. <laughs> it's anonymously on the airwaves. Uh, I uh, just for the record like BYU seventeen points against Washington. Yes. I love the points there. I agree, and Washington has proven time and time again last week that they don't need to win by twenty or thirty. Exactly, points. they're more than content being up seven late, getting a ten or fourteen point lead, and just calling it a night. And BYU. Hmm. Circle that's, that one. That's not a bad. That's not. Let's, let's, uh, that's not a bad uh, money. Yeah, man. let's just circle that one. Go in no, on the Mormons. No we love way. Pencil. Okay. There, here, I am here. not. I have no, 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 no. I am not touching BYU. It's just guys. the Mormons. What did they ever do? Fine. Okay. Fine. It has truly oh. nothing to do with that, Mitch. But we don't need to talk about that right now. I'm just saying okay. Washington's going to cover 17 and a half. Okay. Well, I'll cheer yeah. you up. I'll cheer you up with this before we get to the premiere. Yeah. There's games. only one religion Gothard really hates, and we don't talk about that on this podcast. <laughs> no, you'll never it's know. Wolverine. And, yeah. Well, oh, you took it's the, the Harb. It's the Harbaugh religion. You took the words out of my mouth because I'm, I'm kind of liking this Northwestern plus 14 action. I'm kind of liking it. Ooh. You know what? When Michigan plays a bad team, they blow them out. It's when they play good teams. That's so when you. What about an average team? What about a, just a run-of-the-mill average Big We're Ten team? We're not talking they, about an average team, though. Yeah, they blow them out. Northwestern's bad. Mm. Yeah, they be, don't look. They don't look too good. Yeah, took this is going to be a 28-point win. I'm not putting money on it because I can't lose money. I can't bet on Michigan. If they lose, it's unhealthy for me. So I, <laughs> I, I right, like that's the worst of two it, worlds but, is. If you bet on Harbaugh to cover, he wins the game, but he doesn't cover, then you're just doubly upset. You're, you're upsetting right. one, and then you're really upset you actually bet on him to cover. So I'm with Matt here. I don't just avoid this. Say, hey, if they win, good on them. When they play a good team, they're going to lose. This isn't one of the good teams. <laughs> yeah, because the, the double whammy is what gets me, too. 
But he's already doing that with Ohio State. I mean, why not just keep it going? Is my argument. Well, can we but, go? Can we talk Ohio State? Or we, yeah, are that's we, are we making our I way think, there. I think it's that time. Yeah, there's the two primetime games, and we talked about it. This is the deepest slate of evening games we've had all year. Uh, I think that's pretty safe to say. Ohio State, Penn State. Ohio State is now down to three and a half point favorites on the road. Night game, Happy Valley. Arguably, you could say this is going to be for not just the, a trip to the conference title game. There's still a lot to be decided, but could very well be for a playoff spot in the grand scheme of things, whatever happens in this game. What's your pulse telling you, Kent, on how this one's going to shape up? I think Penn State wins. I feel like Penn State finds a way. Trace McSorley will make plays late. And remember, this is the first real road game for Ohio State. They played in Arlington, Texas, but that stadium was 70% Ohio State fans. It was not really a road game, and they struggled in that game. Defensively, they gave up a lot of yards. They also had two touchdowns. Dwayne Haskins, this will be the first real tough environment he goes into, and I expect both teams to move the ball up and down the field and score. These are two defenses that haven't looked great, especially without Nick Bosa for Ohio State, and for Penn State, their offense has been ridiculously good. Even when they lost to App State, or when they barely beat App State, it was like a survive game where they found a way to somehow pull it out. But overall, I expect this to be very high scoring. I think Trace McSorley and Miles Sanders and that offense will find a way late to get a score, win the game close, and Ohio State suffers its first loss. So I'm going to go with the Nittany Lions to win outright. The over-under, though, this is where I, I mentioned oh, teasers yeah, earlier. Let's go. One of the teasers I love is you tease Syracuse up to that 32, 32 mm-hmm. and a half. You tease this down to 63, I feel like both teams are scoring in the 30s. And if that happens, you're getting an over. And I really like this game to be high scoring. I love under 71. Like, love it. I I just, I know last year's game was in everybody's minds, but. If Penn State wins, this probably isn't going under. Maybe if Ohio State wins. Penn State's giving up 30 in this game. Are they for sure? I mean, I I don't know. And I think Ohio State's going to win. I think their defense is going to have a better game this week. I think Penn State is a little inconsistent. I know they don't have Barkley, but they still have skilled players. Ohio State's D-line is deep. Even with Chase Young leading the way, I think they'll be okay. you can run through them, though. They've been proven time and time again. When you're physical, you can run at Ohio State, and they they have trouble stopping a good running game. And Penn State does a lot of very complex, intricate things on offense. I think they'll find a way to move the football well. Really, the key to this game is going to be turnovers. If both teams play clean football... It's extremely high scoring, and it goes over 70. Maybe if there's some turnovers, that's where there's a difference. But I also just, as good as Dwayne Haskins has been, we see this all the time. A guy's hyped up and then just struggles for one game or has a few mistakes. I think he'll have a good game. They'll score 30-plus, but I expect Haskins in the fourth quarter, same kind of the opposite that JT Barrett did last year when he was perfect in the fourth quarter. I think Haskins will make a couple mistakes, and that's what loses in the game, in addition to Penn State making plays. I mean, Penn State was losing in the four, early start of the fourth quarter, late third, to Illinois last week. I know they woke up, but I just yeah. – I think Haskins They did score 35. They did. They did. The what do you think, though, Gothard? How do you think this will go both on the spread and ultimately over-under? Yeah, well, you got to think about it. You're you're talking about the second and third best team in the Big Ten East. So you got <laughs> That's uh, cute. pretty go good. Ahead. <laughs> go green, Sorry, go I, had, I had to put it in there. I, I you know, I, obviously it's the top two teams in the Big Ten East. But um, when you look at these defenses, uh, Ohio State's only averaging giving up 17 points right now, and Penn State's only averaging giving up 19. So that's 36 points. 
I mean, you're 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 saying double that to get to seventy. I don't I don't see that happening. I could see this. This is a Big Ten game. It's not at Ohio State, so they're not going to be running up the score. I don't see Penn State blowing out Ohio State. I think this is going to be like a forty point total game. Um, so wow, I don't wow. know who's going to win. I'd probably take Penn State money line, but the Big Ten is so much more defense oriented than any other conference out there, and uh, I think that it's going to be a really low scoring game. I just do think, Kent, that to your point, Haskins could tighten up, and it, at the very least, that's going to affect the over-under of this game. And, and these games tend to. I know last year was a blip in the radar. A lot of crazy stuff happened. Penn State got all that yardage on their kick returns to start the game. A lot of turnovers. It I'm could saying, hit over, but I do like the under. More than any bet on either team or money line, I think Ohio State will win. But I'm I saying like tease to 63 and go over is my guess. So clearly we disagree on that front of things. But if no, Gothard, if you think it's 40 – that has to be a gigantic bet then because if you're 30 points off yeah. where the line oh, is, that's kind of like, when, yeah, when I looked Alabama Ole Miss a few weeks ago, I thought that was minimum 10, if not 20 points off. If you can get an over-under where you're 30 points off of the way you think, that's a big-time advantage. Uh, I just, I don't know, I haven't been impressed with either defense yet, and I do think when you go into Happy Valley, I think it's a close Penn State win. I'm going to say... If I had to guess, I'll say Ohio State scores 34, Penn State scores 40. So that, that's my guess. 40 to 34, wow. maybe 37 to 34, somewhere around there. So what's going to end up happening, Matt, is you're going to have a beat and it's going to go to triple overtime. <laughs> so yeah, that, well, I love beats, dude. <laughs> <laughs> that's just that's just phenomenal. Now, again, now, I pick Penn State. It sounds like Matt's leaning towards Penn State. Ohio you're a Ohio State. State guy. Okay, you are taking the Buckeyes. Yeah, I think they win this game, and I'll take I'll take the cover of the spread as well. You're probably right, dude. I mean, I'm I'm so against Penn or Ohio State anyway, so we can't make this the money maker anyway because I'm too See, biased. And out of these two, you guys know me pretty well. I don't like Penn State. Believe me, if you're gonna pick this division, <laughs> you're proving that. <laughs> yes, this division, I, I have a very, it's a very even or easy hierarchy for me in this division, and it goes Michigan State out of the four contenders. Michigan State, I like the most. Then Ohio State would be my second. Just like a... Then yeah. Harbaugh with Michigan's definitive third. And then Penn State is about as low, right. technically four, but it might as well be 4,450. But I just, I think they find a way. <laughs> Trace McSorley, again, 25 to 1 odds on Heisman betting right now. If he wins this you gotta game... got to get it in now. Yeah, if he, yeah, if he wins this game, he's going to be one of the two or three favorites. And there's a lot of games to move his stock up. And the guy's a player. Like, yes. I watch enough Penn State to know, and I always root against him. He finds ways to win a lot of these type of games. Ohio State knows this. He's done it against them. The best part about your rankings is that Harbaugh is just so familiar and comfortable with that third spot. So yes. he's just he's ready to go. He's locked right in. All right, last game to talk about. I know it means a lot to you, Kent, Stanford, and Notre Dame. They Got, play this week? I think I so. Is that, yeah, that's this, that this week. Uh, Notre Dame undefeated, but... There's been uh, there's been differing opinions on how they've been doing. They made the quarterback change. They did have a better game, first in a couple weeks. They they put it on Wake Forest. Stanford after that survival last week, they come on the road to Notre Dame, the big house at night. Notre Dame five and a half point favorites over under sitting at fifty four roughly. Gothard, who are you liking this one? I like uh, Costello and Stanford, man. I think that you know money line. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. I'm taking the money right, line here. Uh, but I mean, for the for the sake of gambling, let's just go ahead and do the sake of gambling. I the reason I take the five and a half is I think that with a team that controls time of possession as much as Stanford does, granted they didn't do it as much last week, 
um, with such a such a strong run game and also an elevated passing game. I like Notre Dame to probably win this game, but I don't know if I would give up a, almost a touchdown uh, to a pretty strong Pac-12 team. I, I, I don't believe in that many Pac-12 defenses, but uh, I you know Stanford's up there for me. Kent, I know Notre Dame means a lot to you, and I know you've had differing opinions on how they've done at times and how they've looked. Before I before you make your pick, give me your thoughts on the move. If you think it was the right one, if it should be the move going forward to QB, and ultimately does Notre Dame win in this big rivalry game? It made sense. Yes, I mean I think when you look at Brandon Wimbush, you know what he does well, and it's run the football. So I thought against Michigan, you needed that dynamic playmaker in the running game, especially when you had new running backs behind him that really hadn't played much, it made sense. Notre Dame is getting its starting running back back for this game. He was suspended the first four games. He was one carry off of leading the nation in yards per carry last year as the backup. He's an explosive player named Dexter Williams. The receivers love what Ian Book brings to this offense. And I think overall, it opens up the playbook. If you looked at Brandon Wimbush, he can throw downfield, but he's inconsistent with a lot of the short throws. The screen game was out. The intermediate routes, the crossing routes, comebacks, those were just not in the playbook because he couldn't execute those at a high percentage. Ian Book, yes, it was Wake Forest, but he seems to put tempo into this Notre Dame offense every possession. And for Stanford, the one thing I'm interested in seeing is Stanford hasn't ran the ball very well this year. If you look at last year, Bryce Love, every game was busting 50-plus yard touchdowns. This year, zero runs of 30 yards. Also, Notre Dame is not allowed to rush over 20 yards all season. They have a really good defense. I think in this game, Notre Dame is the better defense of the two. And I think offensively with Ian Book in, that does add more elements to probably get a Notre Dame victory. The one thing I'm a bit concerned about is if it goes to the fourth quarter. In the past, Stanford has found a way with David Shaw to beat Brian Kelly in the fourth quarter. Notre Dame was up 10 two years ago, lost the game outright. Mm -hmm. Last year, they were up in the fourth quarter, got blown out. Stanford has won five of seven with David Shaw, three in a row, four of five. They always seem to make a comeback and win in the fourth quarter. Hopefully, Notre Dame, I think, can build up enough of a lead, hang on, and find a way to win by about six or seven. I like them to barely cover. I do think the Irish win, but I'm very interested in seeing if they can stop the Stanford receivers and the tight ends in the red zone, because that's where Stanford excels. They put Arcega Whiteside right. on the outside, or they put Caden Smith and Colby Parkinson in the seams and pretty much have them box out a smaller safety yeah. or corner. And Notre Dame, good corners, not necessarily a ton of size. So we'll have to see how that factors in. I'll say Notre Dame wins probably by six or seven points. I don't love the over-under. If I had to choose, I would lean towards the under yeah. because I don't think either team gets 30 unless they're special teams or defensive touchdowns. But KJ Costello has been great. This is the best quarterback Notre Dame probably will face all season. And for Notre Dame, hopefully Ian Book can build off what he did last week. Irish by six or seven, they get the cover, they get the win, they move to 5-0. and I like Stanford. I think that's the, the bet with the points, money line. Not as attractive. I personally think it's a toss-up that Stanford can win, but I like them to, as you said, make this a close game. Costello's been a baller. They've been a different team, and part of that's been their inability to get the run going. It should be fun to see. Yeah, and it's funny. Both teams probably want to run first, pass second, but with Book now at Notre Dame and Costello being at Stanford, 
unlike the past where it's been a struggle for both passing offenses at times, this might be a game where the passing offense end up needing to be the difference because I don't really see either team running the football that well in this game. I think it's going to be a challenge for either team. All right. What do you think of over 53? I'd go under. I would say I'm leaning towards 27, like like 27 to 20 type of win. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not loving it, but I'd go under for sure. With that, right. it, it, it's time, gentlemen. It's time to put on the old moneymaker hat and get off of that tying feeling. Uh, two one and one on the season. Georgia Mizzou, it was a, it was a flat-out tie. We didn't lose you any money, as we mentioned. Just want to point that out to everybody that didn't agree, didn't like the results. But it wasn't a loss, so just move forward like we're going to do. And we haven't even talked about it yet, but... Some suggestions. I'm going to start with you, Gothard, because Kent's got about five or six tease opportunities there. So what do you like this week? Hmm, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. What? I just feel like we're not agreeing on anything, actually. We all agreed on Syracuse. <laughs> we all agreed on Syracuse. I'll just throw that out. And, you know, and Gothard, I would you be held fine. us up on BYU. Which yeah, I can't do that. I won't do that. I won't do that. I won't do BYU. Okay. I would do uh, I do Syracuse for the love of Ron. I'm not uh, I'm not really loving a money maker pick on that one though. Kent, what do you oh, got? Oh no. Any, anything straightforward? Well, I think we all did agree on Syracuse, so that was just one that okay. I, I potentially mm-hmm. was thinking we might lean towards. I know Gothard and I like South Carolina to go in as an underdog. If you look at underdogs this week, because I feel like so far we haven't gone the underdog route. We've gone no. over-unders or favorites. I'm just kind of looking down the list here, and I don't know. I mean, again, you don't like Texas Tech that much. I nope. would say that we probably you don't, don't like want Purdue. Purdue, exactly, but they are a slight favorite. Uh I don't necessarily feel great about a bunch of these underdogs, though, in that, I don't know, I think that I keep going back to South Carolina, going with that one and a half and trying to find a way to have them be the team, but I don't know. How about you guys? Wazoo, Utah? Wazoo, underdog? Oh, no, no. Guys, come that. on. Syracuse has never scored less than 30. we got to go with them. There's I, no oh, way. Man, especially, dude. as I said, especially oh, when Clemson God. doesn't want to get Lawrence injured. That's yeah. the thing. If, yeah, if gonna, they're up, if they're he's up 20 struggle. late, they don't care. <laughs> and we know right off the bat again. It's a 9 a.m. game for us. So Let me just this tell you how this has gone. When pressure. I'm dragging my feet, it's not ended well. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, again, there isn't one that we don't like. Is there any other suggestions before? No other no other over-unders, too. Remember, that's in play I also. Mean, is there any we over-unders? We could look at Michigan State like? minus 28 if you want to. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you're dying to work that in the show in the waiting minutes. Um, Go against the Chippewas. No, yeah, no, uh, no other over unders that you guys like. I mean, it's hard to say because I think when you look at some of these over unders that are most appealing, they're kind of high numbers. Iowa State points. No, I like Baylor plus twenty three and a half. Oh, that's an interesting one because you have an Oklahoma team that sucked last week. You have a Baylor team that's been a little bit better than expected. That's not a bad one. I actually it is I on the road. Yeah, that's true too. But so is Syracuse. On the other hand, we don't have a big. We could go Duke. At home. We could go Duke. Duke minus five. What do you think about I mean, that, Gother? 
Well, I talked. I said I wasn't going to. I mean, oh, that's yeah. a stay away for him. You know, what's a stay away? Like, what really is a stay away to Gothard? Like that, like <laughs> a stay away for Gothard is the team he doesn't bet on. That's no, that's, but I think a, a true stay away a couple of days before a game is like locked in. Like you don't even know that game exists. That's a true stay away. That's true. Or that league. It had that maybe way. that league. I think we go the Chiefs. League I really exist. do. I think I think we go all in with the Dino Babers. All right, fine. I'll do go it. Orange. We'll Drink do that it. orange Kool Aid. Grab it in the morning. <laughs> believe in. Believe is in. Is it just Kool Aid on Saturday morning? Does it have to just be Kool Aid? It can be whatever you want. You can mix it with something. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Whatever you need. Oh, there'll be some mixing going on. Get them a mocha. Cover twenty-five points. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, fine. We're gonna we're gonna do this. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be dragged kicking and screaming like plus a child. Plus twenty-five. Or can we'll we do get plus twenty-five. There we go. That's what and we're if, walking. And if we lose, that. if we lose, we'll FaceTime Ron. We will. Just and think about this. Yeah. And think about this too: is we entered this game twenty-five points in the back, and Gothard brought up a very good point, and I emphasized it earlier by saying Syracuse is not going to not score something. So even if they only get fourteen, that means Clemson has to score forty just to cover the line. That's asking for a lot. So I'm believing in Cuse. I think that I feel pretty good about this. And I can buy into Syracuse finding a way to keep this close, lose by seventeen or twenty, and we get the we, we get the win. Where do we stand? Oh, yeah, it's true. I mean, that's that's you put it well. Um, if the weather's bad and there's like a weather delay or something, that even could better help too. Yeah, we just want some disjointed football. Any stalling helps. So if you're a Syracuse guy out there, stall, lay down, fake an injury, do yes. it, do what James Harrison said Le'Veon Bell should do. Whatever whatever it takes. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know, Matt. That's okay. We're good. We'll be all right. I think, yeah, I was gonna uh, say I, I got no comment good. on the late note. I can't go on. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot I offended both of you with that in one yep. fell swoop. Yep. All right, yep. gentlemen, this was a fun week of breaking down lines. Uh, quickly, anything else in the sports world that you want to bring up? Ryder Cup. You got Ryder Cup this weekend. You have USA slight favorite that kicks off or tees off, I should say, Friday at two a.m. Eastern, eleven p.m. for us. It should be exciting. Staying so. up all night. I yet I don't know yet. I might have to talk to my dealer and figure something out. But uh, <laughs> but nonetheless, we'll see. I think overall, to be well, honest, let me get him. No. <laughs> him. Uh, I think overall, I'm gonna watch as much as I can. I almost definitely will watch Sunday, and then Saturday I'll kind of have it on when I get up for game day. We'll see. Overall, it's a great event. It's back out here in two years in terms of America up in the state of Wisconsin. I expect USA to do well. I think you're going to see Brooks Kepka really perform well. Tiger Woods looks really good. Patrick Reed always shows up to play well. And then for the European side, Tommy Fleetwood is a guy I think you have to watch out for. And then it's hard to say, uh, maybe a sleeper pick, Alex Noren for the European team. If you want to look at point totals and the most European points, Alex Noren, he's already won at this course in outside of Paris. He won the French Open this year. I know it's not your tennis French Open, but Alex Norton has already won there this year. He's a guy that doesn't get a lot of love. I expect USA to win. I think they'll get about 15 and a half or 16 total points. You need 14 and a half to win. But again, Patrick Reed, Tiger Woods, Brooks Kepka, Tommy Fleetwood, Alex Norton. Those are a few names to throw out there for the Ryder Cup this weekend. I would say avoid Phil Mickelson. He has not played that well. And I also don't love Dustin Johnson or Rory McIlroy in this because this is kind of a more put the ball in play, iron shots, make yeah. your putts. And Rory McIlroy and DJ are the type. They need to drive at 320. 
and this isn't that type of course. So there's a few of those Ryder Cup recommendations for some of you listening. I'm excited. Tiger back in the mix should be fun. Oh, he's back. Can't yeah. wait for America to just give it to the Europeans in France of all places too. That's just icing on the cake. Exactly. That's what makes it even better. If you win in like the UK, yeah, right. it's kind of nice, but whatever. If you win in France, it's great. And it's perfect. Also, it's been 25 years since the American team has won a Ryder Cup in Europe. They have not done it oh, in wow. forever. So 1993 was the last time it happened. I think they're destined to get over that hump. Should be good. Gothard, anything to add? Any other games I mean, or sports? I'm going, I'm going a totally different, going back to football. Uh, but I would say I'm taking Packers minus nine and a half. And, uh, and definitely the uh, Chargers minus ten. I, think, I love that um, Chargers bet. There's nothing Rivers yeah. does better than beat up bad teams. And, and hey, you know who the four teams undefeated against the spread are this year? In the, the NFL? Browns, for sure. Br- Browns, Chiefs, Dolphins, and Rams. So, fun oh. fact. <laughs> by the way, by the time you hear this, I'll be at the Rams-Vikings game on Thursday night. I'm going to go to that. And I like the Vikings plus seven. I think they bounced back. I they were too. so bad last week. Give me seven points with a really good defense and experienced quarterback and an offense with a bunch of playmakers. I think the Rams are destined to eventually not have a game where they just blow out the competition. So I like the Vikings. You're going to hand me a touchdown in that game. I feel pretty good about it. So purple people eaters on the road at the Coliseum. I'll take the seven. Yeah. Plus 260, baby. Uh, oh, oh, okay. Wow. Well, that's a fitting way to end, going out on that Vikings limb, which will either be proven genius or wrong by the time this airs. But, gentlemen, another fun week. Safe betting out there. Thanks, Kent. Thanks, Matt Gothard. Appreciate you guys being here. This was Running With The Money. Good luck.